This is Nick Hudson. I'm Dr. Daniel Nagase. This is Julie Panessi. This is Corporal Daniel Bulford. This is Dr. Eric Payne. This is Dr. Stephen Pellick. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Friday. That's right. You heard of Friday. Uh, moving forward here into 2022, we're going to be on Fridays as well. We're going to be we're going to be hitting a lot of different uh, guests, a lot of different minds, and uh, we're going to see what they have to say. So look out for Fridays moving forward. I got to say, I just appreciate all you listeners texting, giving me your thoughts, giving me guest suggestions. Uh, a lot of what comes of this has been the interactions I've had with you. I can't speak highly enough of that. And I started talking about my Patreon account um, within this last month. And I've already, you know, I got to give a shout out here to, to Grant Milner. Uh, he was the first to uh, to sign up. So thanks, Grant. Joan, Steve Uselman, I really hope I said that right. And Kara Clark is the latest. So all you humble listeners, as I, I call it, uh, on the Patreon account, just appreciate you guys supporting this and helping it grow and move along. Uh, if you can't support it financially or don't want to, that's totally fine. I appreciate all the shares, all your time uh, when you tune into me and the show. Uh, it means the world to me, and I can't thank you guys enough. Now, let's get on to the Ram Truck Rundown, brought to you by Auto Clearing Jeep and Ram, the Prairie's trusted source for Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and all things automotive for over 110 years. While at the University of Calgary, he earned his Master's in Science Electrophysiology, a PhD in Brain and Behavior Psychology, did his postdoctorate placement in experimental psychology and stem cell research at Downing College in Cambridge, England. He's a tenured professor at Thompson Rivers University in British Columbia. I'm talking about Chris Montoya. So buckle up, here we go. My name is Dr. Christopher Montoya. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Professor Chris Montoya, uh, Dr. Chris Montoya. Thank you, sir, for, for hopping on. No problem at all. It's another lovely day in paradise. Now, um, before we hop uh, right into it, uh, people can go back a few episodes and, and hear when you were first on the podcast, but uh, maybe you could just uh, bring them up to speed on a little bit of your background. No. Um, wow. <laughs> What to talk about? I guess academically, I got my BSc from University of Lethbridge in brain science. <clears throat> I got my uh, master's PhD, University of Calgary, um, physiological psychology, brain science. And I did my PhD, did my postdoc training, University of Cambridge, England, Downing College. I did original stem cell research, and I taught in the area of emotion and emotionality. Um, Pub, I have over a thousand science citations, published over a couple of dozen journal articles. But mainly right now, I'm just a uh, I'm a associate level teaching professor at wonderful Thompson Rivers University. Well, I would suggest for the listeners who are just tuning into the first time uh, to Chris, they go back to episode 209. It was back on October 6th. We did our first uh, little chat uh, back then. And so if they want to get to know you a little more, um, it was a, it was a quick 30, 35 minutes we chatted last time. So uh, 
if people have hopped on today and go, oh, I missed that one, I would suggest going back there because it'll be obviously a little different chat than where we're at today. Now, here's here's the thing that's been rolling in my brain from about a week after me and you talked. And so I've been trying to get you on since October and things have gotten in the way and here we sit in the new year. Right. Regardless, I'm happy to have you back. <clears throat> so here's the, here's my question to you. And I I, uh, I had a, a friend who's helped the podcast along um from the beginning. And, you know, it started off as lots of hockey, Don Cherry and Ron McLean and guys like that. And the question I have is what he was talking about is he says, you're part of the problem by talking about uh, what's going on. You're part of the problem. You're not the solution. You're part of the problem. And so my question I think is, can we will things into being by almost like groupthink. We, we talk about what's going on and it wills good and bad things into fruition. Does that make sense? That makes total sense from a certain perspective <clears throat> because this is the one time in human history where we can all group think together called social media, right? Before we had different countries, this kind of stuff. And I think it's important uh, a lot of people, I'll probably get shot for this, but a lot of people, um, they miss the idea of the United States of America. The United States of America was based on the premise that God created all people equally. If you work hard, you could become president of the United States. Anybody could. And it looks like anybody can, which is good. But uh, <clears throat> my country, right or wrong, my country, that kind of stuff, it gave them something to believe in. Now, in, in the old days, <clears throat> these, these ideas of groupthink you're talking about, uh, where every sort of swings a certain way, and it happened with Kennedy and the Bay of Pigs, right? Um, they thought this was a great idea. No one spoke against it, because anybody that would speak against this, of course, would be evil, and those on our side are good. And so the problem is people don't like to stand out. If everybody says, we're going this way, and I go, can we think about this? That takes a lot of ego strength to stand against that. Um, a lot of people always point to Germany. I'll do that first. I'll point to Germany. They call it the big lie. It was a gross distortion or misrepresentation of truth. And it's, it's called propaganda, but it's propaganda from a certain perspective. Uh, if Germany had won the war, <laughs> uh, history would look a lot different. Adolf Hitler would change, right? So the winners write the war. So we have this problem is what is truth? So when Hitler wrote his book, Mein Kampf, and he used this word, the big lie, to describe a lie that was so colossal, no one would believe that someone could have had the impotence to make this <laughs> happen, right? So we look at uh, things like currently, you know, the, uh, the vaccination stuff, and people attack it because would anyone lie about something so big one way or the other? And we're, we're, we're presented with two different aspects. I think we, uh, we discussed this before, um, where you have two different opposing views. And here's, here's the kicker. <laughs> and I asked you the question last time, um, is the earth the center of the physical universe? Stephen Hawking asked this question. Remember this? We talked about Yes. This? And Stephen okay. Hawking talks about infinity and how we are the center of the universe. Well, he talks about the fact that in the past, you had Copernicus questioning the church, saying, if we're going around the sun, the sun must be the center of the universe. 
right? So had this big fight going on, Earth-centered, Sun-centered. What Stephen Hawking did just because he could, because we'll be talking about intelligence here a bit too, about how smart people are and what we can make them do. Um, he said, all we have to do is define our terms. A lot of, people, a lot of scientists talk about critical thinking. You know? <laughs> and so critical thinking, let's define our terms. Earth, third rock from the sun. This was Stephen Hawking said, it's not me. Uh, the universe is infinite. Doesn't, there's no wall that stops at the end somewhere and says end of universe. And so the only thing is, is hard for people to center sometimes, drew a circle, put a dot in the center of the circle, drew a line to the dot called the radius, a point equal distance from the edges. So here I am on the, because Copernicus burnt for 400 years in purgatory for what he said, right? But so here I am on the earth, how high is up? Infinite, how far is down? Infinite, 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 infinite. So mathematically speaking, the earth is center of the universe. And this is where the post-formal thought comes in, a little smarter people. If I'm standing on the sun, how high is up? Infinite, 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 infinite. The sun is also at a point equal distance from the edges. Every point in infinite universe is the center. So it's not so much that is it the earth-centered or sun-centered. You have to take a step back and see that each one is accurate from a different perspective. This kills a lot of people. A lot of people want to know, is it right wing? Is it left wing? Is it liberal that's best? And the answer is all three working together. And this one, the democracies, uh, is, is a great thing because we get tired of right wing perspectives. So we vote them out of office. And after a while, the left wing puts us so far in debt, we vote those suckers out of office. Maybe we go liberal. We go down the center of the road and then we vote, to, vote them out too. And this is the joy of democracy. And uh, I, what, did, what did Churchill say? He said, you know, um, he says democracy is a, is a terrible form of government. It is better than all the rest. This is democracy. And this is we're fighting is. We're fighting as democracy versus these totalitarian governments. So I'm going to use they, the they, so I don't get sued or anything. The buzzword currently is that globally people are in the midst of what's been called a mass formation psychosis. Now, a psychosis, technically speaking, is a break from reality. A break from reality. <clears throat> and then they'll draw parallels to what happened among the German population. And here's what they say about the German population. And I take, I take issue with this. <clears throat> uh, it was written in this paper I read that everyone points to Germany stating that the Germans had a highly intelligent, highly educated population and they went barking mad. How is this possible? I take a second perception of the fact that people believe they are highly intelligent. They aren't. Average IQ is 100. The average person does not know what, water what, what temperature water boils at, okay? You have your average people, and they go to work, they raise a family, and they die. That's what they're capable of. And if you tell them that sand is drinkable, they will drink sand. If you tell them that marijuana is healthy for their, their bodies, they'll smoke marijuana. And now with the internet, what's going to happen is if they, they want to find out the marijuana is good for you, they'll type in marijuana is good for you. And what will the internet do? Do you know, Sean? It'll spit out marijuana is good for you. Oh, yeah. And you have hundreds of people agreeing with you. So there it is. You know, how can, how can we do this? And so they're talking about Germany. They went barking mad. But what's missing from this analysis, from a critical thinking perspective, they're always saying the right wing Nazis are evil. What's missing? Well, what happened during the Stalin purges? We talked about this before. 40 to 60 million people in the gulags perished in Siberia. 
But we don't know how many because communists tend to be rather lazy people and they don't count the number of gold teeth. They don't count the number of lampshades made out of the skin. They just dump people out and, and let them die. We don't talk about the Camarouge killing fields of Cambodia. Millions went down there because, again, they just let them big pits, put them in there, and nobody counted them. Uh, we have so many contradictions in our society. I see why people are getting frustrated. Because I'll, I'll touch on some harsh issues here and tell me if I'm going too far. All lives matter. Do they, Sean? Yes. But no, <laughs> the, the question is, do all lives matter? Yes. Now, is that what the government does? No. Well, we're the government, right? In democracy, people. There it is. And this is the kicker. And a lot of people like to blame it on, you know, some dictator like Putin. But no. <laughs> we talk about lives, whether it's 200 here, 1,000 there, people being shot wrongly. But when we talk about 70 million abortions in North America, after the law changed. Do we talk about that? Do those lives matter? Do the unborn matter? Do you talk about the people that die um, because of euthanized, being euthanized because they're too old and frail? No. You get millions of those dying. So as we change the label, Sean, we change the label, we can do most anything you like. Um, so is it wrong to kill people in Canada? I ask this to my students all the time, and they say, yes, it is, Dr. Montoya, it's terribly wrong. And I say, so when I sit on a hill with a high-powered rifle, and I watch a car going down the road, I pull the trigger, watch his head pop. It's a nice shot, though. It's about over half a mile. I have to Coriolis effect and all this kind of stuff. And they said, what would you call that? Well, you're a murderer. What if I'm a soldier in Afghanistan and that's a terrorist? Is that murder then? All I do is change the label. And what was wrong becomes right. Humans are susceptible to label changes. So if I, if I change a label, I change the morality. I can see you thinking. Well, you say that we are the government. I agree. But here's where I don't understand. Is government buys media, big corporation buys media, and tells you the narrative you're supposed to follow. That is no longer the people are the government. The government is doing something to the people. Or am I often that because i just look at it and i go you're right there's lots of things where i think if people weren't informed they would probably look at it differently but the way they're informed is always under somebody's interest and at the heart of a lot of mainstream media's interests is something that doesn't really want a lot of the story told the media is a funny thing i used to be a reporter for the White Court Star, fastest growing newspaper in Northwestern Alberta. <laughs> and I wrote this story about a company that was derelict in their duties during an ice storm. And I used a couple of words in there that were quotes. Unfortunately for this young reporter, I didn't realize that we got a lot of advertising from this company. Mm -hmm. So I had to write a retraction, even though it was the truth. And what I find out now, a lot of the media outlets they're run on their corporations. And so if they have a lot of people giving them money, um, they will twist write, it. they'll twist it. Well, yes, different perspective. They'll, they'll change it to the, where the money's coming in at. And so when people realize that, and this is the key, when they realize that politicians can be twisted, 
the papers can be twisted, that we live in a world that sort of, mm -hmm, and, and, and here's, here's something else too. I've been thinking about this. What role did religion play before? Religion said, you know, you shouldn't, what did Jesus say? Well, it's North America, we'll go Christianity. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be called the children of God. Um, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. These are good things, right? We yanked it out of our schools <laughs> and you left people with what? See, because a lot of people, they, they're, they're, what do they say? They say they, um, they're left without a rudder. They don't know what's right anymore. They couldn't be connected to the world anymore. They're saying the world doesn't make sense anymore. What makes sense, Sean? Does it make sense that we're in an infinite universe, which makes the earth how small? Um, infinitely small. There you go. And we're infinite time. It means our lifespan is how, how long, Sean? Yeah. Over a Infinitely snap. small. Yeah. So does it really matter? Uh, religion gave us a purpose. They were down here to see how we do. Are we part of the problem? Are we part of the solution? And here it is. And I think that in a free society, the solution is to speak your mind. If you think this is wrong, what's going on, say it. Uh, they, they, a lot of people uh, look at the news stuff. Uh, they say that society has become decoupled from each other. And I think we might have talked about this before, that uh, in this one small town, uh, one small burg in Chicago, the power went down for four hours in the summertime. Just, they had a brownout. And the people walked out of their homes, started talking with each other, got off their telephones, got off their computers, got off their TVs, and started talking with each other. And the power came back on, they went back in the homes again. Well, now it's even worse, because with the social media, people are on there most of the time, and they believe that what's happening between you and I right now is actually social intercourse. It's not. This is not the same as you sitting at a coffee shop across from me. 100%. That's right, because there's this barrier between us. Well, you, there's, a, there's, I, I don't know how to explain this. Um, I assume, Chris, that you're a religious man. I, am I right in assuming that? I, I tend not to be religious. I tend to be um, principled. I, I'm a Christian, but I tend not to like religion too much. A lot of things are done in the, in the name of religion, and that's not good. Fair mm -hmm. enough. I, uh, I appreciate that. The, the thing about having somebody sit across from you, be in the same room as somebody, look into their eyes, see their body language. There's a certain energy that comes off one another, especially when you're having a great conversation and you're interested, yep. you can feel that. And in this little box that we do this, you can kind of feel it, but there's no, there's no like real right? connection. There is no real connection. And this, you know, look at Facebook, the metaverse coming, right? Get your yep. headset. We're all going to live in that box. You go, Oh man, we're in for a tough go as a population. If we think that's, what's going to solve our problems. Because that ain't going to solve it. I'll tell you what solves it. I, I go back to your little uh, brownout in Chicago. You know, what the lesson should have been learned that maybe reducing the amount of screen time we all get would be a smart thing. Forcing us out the doors. You know, one of the hardest things I've had to watch as a, uh, as a citizen is just how much we, we're, we're moving away from, you know, like, in the beginning, sports was bad. Getting people outdoors was bad. Being around people, socializing was bad. Bad, bad, bad. And you were the guy that said, 
you know, if, if you put enough anxiety, may uh, tell somebody bad thoughts, bad things, they're more likely to become sick than if you give them positive thoughts and build them That's up. Right. And right now, uh, here in Canada specifically, and maybe the world, I mean, you can certainly go as far as you like, but in Canada, you can certainly feel it. like we live in a anxiety riddled area right now. And I'm in one of the best spots, I think, right. Um, you get bit into the big centers and it gets worse, not better. I agree. Like I said before, within 10 minutes of thinking bad thoughts about yourself, the immunoglobulin A in your saliva drops to under 50%. That is your immune system turning on. And, and we know how to reduce anxiety. We exercise, but they're shutting down all the places you can exercise. You can still walk outside. So I, I, I suggest walking outside, talking with others. That will reduce your anxiety. And, and I've been reading, uh, since talking to you, I've been reading about Africa and those kind of places where they don't, aren't getting the vaccines. And they have less anxiety in Canada. There's this old saying that said, you know, when you lose at global control, you can live with that because whatever happens because you lost. But if you win at global control and still feel miserable, that brings insanity. So we've won. Uh, North America has won this war of control. Yes, but we still feel miserable. Why is that? Because we have nothing long term. I think that's what it is. I mean, not long term lifestyle, long term eternal so this is free-floating anxiety you talked about in this sense that things don't make sense. Okay. And when that happens, and this is the critical part, people need to blame somebody. And they'll blame the rich, or they'll blame the anti-vaxxers, or they're going to blame the Republicans, you know, geez, or they're going to blame China, or they want to blame somebody. In the past, of course, in the 1600s, uh, 1500s, they blame witches in the Senate Spanish Inquisition. All these Evil things happening with the witches. The more witches we burn, the better it gets for us. And you think after 500, 600 years, we'd have learned from that? Sean, have we? Well, you think it can get that bad? Um, when a Trump supporter <laughs> wears a hat. <laughs> I have a Trump hat back here. Have you seen it? Yes. You see me, right? You, you yes. See yeah, yeah. You wore it last time. There it is. And <laughs> if I if I were walking in the streets, what would happen? Oh yeah. We've seen it happen on the, on the news, right? Young kids get just pummeled. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I wear it in my classes just to have that spark there. And I ask them, where'd that come from? Where did the hate come from? Who's the hate hurting? Just use turning off your frontal lobes. And these are smart kids. Like I said, average IQ 100, average IQ of a university is 115. That's a standard deviation smarter. And they're still getting sucked in by this big lie. They're still getting sucked in by this uh, free-floating anxiety, uh, by what do you call it? Mass hypnosis, if you want to call it that. But they're still getting sucked in. So it's my job to teach these 18, 19, 20-year-olds not to get sucked in by this. Be so part of the solution. What's part of the solution? How do they not get sucked in by it then? Oh, here it is. You volunteer at the Salvation Army. You find a homeless person, give them $5. You compliment somebody. You pay it forward. You help someone else. By helping someone else in our society, and this is the neat thing about it, you're actually showing that you're strong enough to give part of yourself away. But you have to go out and do something. A lot of people sit and they think, why do I feel so bad? Because your body isn't moving. I have old, uh, old friends. I call them old guys. I'm old too, but they're really old. And they, I said, what's the secret to longevity? 
keep moving, keep doing things, keep being involved. So I'll tell you right now, not being on a podcast would be easier. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still getting paid a lot of money for being a university professor. And so in my classes, I do say, as I said before, you know, uh, the opinions expressed in class are for pedagogical impact and do not reflect necessarily the opinions of the professor, TRU administration, the larger TRU community. I do that so I don't get sued by students who say, you, you've hurt me, you've melted my snowflake. Okay, there you go. But at university, we're supposed to engage in some sort of social interaction, some sort of philosophical dialogue, some sort of, you know, Mm, critical thinking and, and come to some conclusion that sometimes there is no right solution. You have politi- politicians, right? We are going to end poverty. Sean, are we ever going to end poverty? Uh, I would say no. Nope. Uh, we're going to clean up the streets and take care of the drug problem. Are we going to do that? I'm also going to say no. Nope. <laughs> but they'll promise it. They'll promise you this, that, and the other thing. And people that haven't been around too long are not too smart. They don't remember. Uh, they'll say, well, gee, that sounds like a great idea. You're, you're, you're giving people too much credit. Average IQ for master's, 122. See, and, I, IQ- and I think... Talk to me. I don't think you give people enough credit then. I look <laughs> at it and I go like, I have to believe that we are capable of exactly what you just said, of love thy neighbor of be good to one another, of things that are larger than ourselves. There you go. And then by doing that, you know, the, the Justin Trudeau of the world doesn't get to say absurd things as the leader of our country. He's gone. That's what I think. Or at least he knows he can't get away with them. But maybe I'm wrong on that. I just, I go, if one person can enact one good thing, then that can just spiral and create this wave no different than the other the only crux to that is social media because it has a way of oh you like that okay you're over here you like this okay you're over here you like that you're up here and if you like that you're down there and you don't see the rest you just see your side reinforcing and what it causes is this disintegration of society it pulls the various groups apart and the only reason the past that has worked um Mao did it with the black and white, black and red groups, right? Black groups are the business owners versus the, the poor workers, right? And he did it to separate it, to bring in a change to the regime, a quick change. So anytime you want to pull the groups apart um, between working class and ruling class, they wanted to change this, the situation. But it didn't work so good in, in, in uh, North America. It hasn't worked because you have a middle-class person working at $60,000 a year, living in a house, has a car, has all these things going for him, right? That's middle-class. So you want to keep this big middle-class there. And so what they had to do with this critical race theory was to separate us on the basis of race. And so they do that to destabilize the population. But here it comes. If you're in Canada, we live in the best country in the world. Is it perfect? No. no. But it's better than, I said, if you don't like it, move to communist China. If you like communism, go there. See how that works for you. Okay. See, if you're living in the United States of America, holy smokes, you can look at the good things there. And here's the key. The United States of America is building walls, right? To uh, keep people out because they're trying to all get here. Russia or China, try to get out of those countries. They build walls, keep people in. They don't like it there. People vote with their feet. 
So we live in one of the best countries in the world. Can we make it better? Yes. Or can we destroy it by biting at each other? Well, we can destroy it by biting at each other, but don't. I think the principles in the Constitution of the United States of America, holy smokes, those are, those are well-written words. And we're trying to live up to them. And some people are trying to push too fast. I don't know, maybe. Don't you find it strange, though? You, you, you talk about uh, we build walls to keep people out and communists on the other side build walls to keep people in. Right now, Trudeau is building a divide, not sewing it back together. That's right. He's trying to keep people in the country, not allowing them to go anywhere. So when you look at that, you're a guy who looks back and goes, hmm, what, why would he be doing that? Well, here it comes. I just had some friends on vacation in Mexico, and they flew back. I had other friends that were down in Florida, and they came in, and there are about 5,000 people in this big room, and they randomly tested 50 or 60 of them and let the other ones off they go. So in one way, we're getting this thing that these big walls are up. You can't come into the country. But another way, I asked people in, in, my, in Kamloops, I asked them, where are you from? Oh, from Colombia. When, when did you get here? A month ago. And so I have uh, profs that were vacationing in Mexico City because they have relationships down there, all over the world still. But we don't hear that. Have the airplanes stopped flying in and out of Canada? No. Who's on the airplanes? And so we have this mixed message, right? Uh, they found COVID on a cruise ship. What the heck? Um, <laughs> Why are all these people jumping on cruise ships, packing them in like that and going all over the world? So, yes, in one way, you're right. They say you can't. Another way, they're doing it. So what's the message you're sending us? Mixed. Mixed. How do we get you? You uh, said the last time we talked, you know, in three years, we'll be out of this. Nothing lasts forever. And basically, they'll say the vaccines work. Doesn't matter if they did or didn't. They'll just the, the drum will, you know, keep going. The, the beat will go on. The march will continue, so to speak. Yeah. Is that what you still believe? Where we sit right now as Quebec goes into curfew mode on total lockdown. Shut, there yeah, it is. Ontario's going back backward. Like here we sit. And, Omicron, you know, yeah. Omicron seems to be a lot more transmissible, but a lot less virulent. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. So you get, you get sick, but you don't die. Um, somewhere along the line, and I've said this before, we live in this, you know, planet Earth. It's a giant hospice with a lot of fresh air. We're all going to die eventually in this hospice, right? And in the past, when a, when a plague has come through, it's wiped out those people susceptible, and those that remained had a natural inborn immunity. We don't on one hand, we're saying no one should die, knowing they will die. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we, we tend to, it depends on what's going on, on social media. We tend to focus on whether black lives matter, all lives matter, unborn lives matter. And they, they break people up in these little groups, right? But uh, maybe, uh, like you say, maybe all, all lives should matter, whether it's red or yellow, black or white, whether it's unborn, born or old the dignity part right and this is maybe where we could make a change in society and say no stop just stop because um there's a lot of things in our world that need change but i think a lot of the change is the heart change right 
forgiveness has to, has to start with you. Yeah. Has to start with you. This is the foot, foot. We're part of the solution, not part of the uh, problem. And don't hate. If you wonder if you've been controlled people, I said this before last time, do you hate? Are you living in fear? <laughs> Are you willing to do something nasty to make the world change? You've been controlled. You're under control. If, however, you can take a deep breath and say, thank you, God, for today. Let's, let's hit her again. Um, let's make this a better world. Then no, you're, you're, you're choosing not to respond to whatever, and, but you're choosing to act rather than to react. So the reaction part is, oh, my God, this is happening. Oh, my God, this is happening. Oh, my God, this is happening. The action is, okay, these things have happened. What can I do? That's what Kennedy said. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Yeah, be part of the solution. And if all you have is a very little, then do very little. If you have a lot, do a lot. But this is going to change here. This can change your mind, right? This can change your brain. Because I said this before, the physical morphology of your cerebral cortex will alter depending on whether you see yourself as part of the solution or part of the problem. The physical morphology of your brain will change if you're living under stress and anxiety, whether you're living under love and hope. And if you have, and this is your, you call it religion, if you have faith in God and he says, you know, don't hate, to love God, thy heart, my soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, that's, that's huge. Um, if you can do that, your brain will be different, you'll be healthier, and you're not going to have the anxiety. You don't need the pills. They say, you know, that your brain has a, this is my, my area, right? Your brain has a chemical imbalance. Sean, where did that come from? Humans. Doctors. It comes from how we think. Mm. It comes from how we think. So I thought myself into it, and now I take a pill to get better, or do I think myself out of it? I think I said before last time, maybe I didn't. A lot of my students, they'll, they'll go out and have a one-night stand, and they'll break the protocols and they'll feel and they'll beat themselves up. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Take some drugs. I'm so stupid. <clears throat> and, and their conscience just pounds on them. Where was their conscience when they were having the one night stand and snorting the cocaine? <laughs> Somewhere else. <laughs> oh, it was there just snorting around with them. So what you say <laughs> is your conscience, shut up. Don't beat me up. There's no, no good to beat you up afterwards. Don't get rid of your conscience. You'll need that. But stop me before I do it or shut up because beating us up after the fact is nothing at all. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. You know, you talk about the brain being able to heal itself and, and, and things like that. Um, there's a lot of people that feel like they were uh, duped into getting the first two shots because after they got the first two, then it turned into three in some places in Manitoba's talking a fourth coming down the pipe. You look across the seas, you kind of get into it. And what you're talking about there is don't beat yourself up. Like, I mean, or, you know, if you're feeling guilty for not getting the shot, whatever it is, um, trust yourself is what you're kind of talking about. What did Eleanor Roosevelt say? She said a few things. You know, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. And she said that, you cannot be oppressed or put down without your permission. If you feel oppressed, you've given someone permission to oppress you. Uh, we'll, we'll jump around a bit here too, because this has to do with the whole thing, the big lie, um, all these 
mechanisms that go on in social media. This one guy, Newman, pointed out that not only race is used to divide American society, but also gender. Those who are heterosexual or who identify themselves with their birth gender are also considered oppressors. I didn't realize that until I read that, that heterosexuals are oppressors. Uh, for those that aren't heterosexual, you, you better be thankful that somebody was heterosexual or you wouldn't be here, <laughs> right? Uh, but again, if you're being oppressed, you've given someone permission to oppress you. Stop. In, especially in North America, I understand maybe in China, you don't want to talk about the government there. Uh, North Korea, definitely not. Okay. But um, in North America, where it's money driven, if you can make your company money, guess what? Well, Sean, if you had a person who could make your podcast system here $10,000 extra a month, would you keep them on? 100%. 100%. There it is. Do, do, would it matter, red or yellow, black or white? Nope. Male, female, gender, crossed, whatever. No, this person's earning money here. Hey, you're my new best friend. That's right. This is United States of America. This is Canada where that stuff doesn't matter. Can you do a good job? Do your job. Uh, in Christianity, it's do your job as unto the Lord God himself. That's why a lot of Christians got ahead because it was Puritan work ethic. Just go, 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 go. And But when you take that out, when you take out that work ethic, the Puritan work ethic, I think we lost a bit. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder, I, you know, I got three young kids, so I, I think about it. I may th overthink it. I don't know. I, I just think about it a lot, chew on things. And I just worry about, you know, all the different things you've been talking about. I go, how... You can't go back to the past. I get that. You can't you can't walk back in time. Everybody wants to go back to the good old days and everything else. But here we sit in this weird, strange time where you can you can visibly see it. I've I've never you know, I've been around my family, other families for a lot of years, and I've never seen so many families so divisive on such an issue, right? I mean, maybe Maybe back in the war years, maybe. I honestly, I have no idea. I was I didn't grow up then, but in my lifetime, I've never seen something infect the family unit as much as this, and it's just evidence everywhere. And I worry how that translates to the next generation coming down the the the, the pipe or growing up. You know, the young kids that are witnessing it firsthand. Like this, this should not impact uh, families the way it is, or at least not in my mind. In a free society, society should sanction civil disobedience. That, this is North America. I have the right to, you know, speak my mind on the street corner. Uh, in my family, too, we have vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. I, I said, you're not actually anti-vax. I said, you've been vaccinated against polio, yes. Diphtheria, yes. Whooping cough, yes. <laughs> Mumps, yes. Measles, yes. We have all these vaccinations. But something about this one just sticks in the craw of people. And I have not been able to put my finger on it because some people believe that something like a COVID virus, a flu virus, it's like getting a flu shot. And it's like rolling the dice sometimes because if you get one variant of flu, you still get the flu and then you got the flu shot because you got the wrong flu shot. And this thing's changing all the time. So some people say that I'd rather take my chances and not have the side effects. And I think what people have to realize too that uh, if you had a polio vaccine back in the day, there were a certain percentage of people that had negative effects from the polio vaccine. 
There's certain effects of the kids that had negative effects of the measles vaccine. Uh, certain ones that, um, what was the other one? Smallpox, yeah. They had serious effects from smallpox. But overall, you know, one out of a thousand, one out of 10,000 had these effects. But if you had a million people, you got 10, 15 people that had pretty negative effects there. Science isn't perfect. Science pushes us in the right direction, but science deals in probability, not truth. So I can't guarantee it. Can you guarantee this will stop it? No, of course not. Maybe slow it down. Maybe you have less effects of, of the disease. But I, then there's some people that will have side effects. And you can't deny that. That's science. It's probability. Yeah, well, at this point, it doesn't matter. There's certain people that don't want to get it because... Um, they've had side effects from previous vaccines. There's certain people have had the first shot, had bad side effects from the first oh, yeah. shot, don't want to get it. There's certain people that are 25 and running wild and don't want to get it because they're healthy, fit, et cetera. They looked at the data. I had uh, Mike Kuzmiskis. He's the, the CEO of i Labs. He broke it down. He looked at the numbers and just went boom, 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 and probability, and this is why I'm not doing it. There's, there's a – and other people think – um, I don't know. They're getting injected with something that's going to beam them up to Mars, right? Like it's it goes the it goes the, the 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 gambit, the whole gambit. I ask, what the heck does it matter? They don't want to get it. Don't so, get it. So the question is not why they won't get it. The real question is how hard is society going to push them to get it? Right? This this idea of. I have this, I don't know if this is the right idea, but uh, normative conformity, um, changing one's behavior in order to fit in with the group. My idea is you walk into Chris Montoya's class, Chris is at the front, but everybody's turned around facing the opposite direction. And you look at it and you go, hmm, everything in my body tells me I'm supposed to look forward, but everything everybody else is doing is telling me to look the opposite way. Now, do you, do you look the other way or do you face forward and face Chris? I, I have no idea. Lots of people in a classroom would assume the first 20 people in the classroom must have been told by Chris to face the other way, right? But I, at the same time, until Chris tells you, you should probably face the teacher. That would make most sense. And when it comes to the vaccine, I'm not saying that facing the opposite direction is the wrong thing to do, just that Right now in society, we believe that there's only one way out of this. That is get the vaccine. That is now get the booster. That is get your kids vaccinated. And so the real question is, how hard is society willing to push on this now 10% or whatever it is, it's a pretty small number, um, of people? And by pushing that hard, what have they done to society? I think, I think it's always been that way. And uh, whether or not it's um, in olden days, a hint of stalking was looked on as something shocking, but now who knows, anything goes. So in olden days, women had to cover up in North America. And if they didn't, they were brought under social pressure. Yes. Hmm. In, in olden days, it was good to be square and just fit in, right? Now it's not good to be square. And so the social morals have changed. And so how far is society willing to push? I mean, that's the wrong question. Uh, I think Shackner, Shackner didn't experiment with it. You've probably seen it with the three lines, one, two, three. And the lines are different. And 
they have a test line and then the three lines above it and you have six people in a row and they're all saying which one is it's a visual acuity test which one matches well of course third one in uh they all start saying the wrong one matches and the one at the end who's the only subject in the experiment everybody else is part of this con job right he'll go and he'll go with the group rather than what's in front of his own eyes conformity because he doesn't want to look bad in front of others and there's a bunch of reasons why you don't look bad one uh, you've been put down for being not that smart. Two, you've been put down for not being that strong. Because guys, if I disagree with a bigger guy and he says, shut up, Montoya, no, I'm shut up and pow. <laughs> Which I thank my dad for training us in the martial arts for that one. Uh, the other one, spiritually, we're going to go to hell. That's not what it says. What it says is anyone who accepts Jesus Christ, anyone who calls the name of Jesus shall be saved. So I can be attacked physically. I can be attacked psychologically, or I can be attacked spiritually. And you have to sort of brace yourself for those kind of attacks. And so, yes, I don't think it's so much that people are actually going to be pushing. It's just the sheer volume of what you hear on the internet, that these are anti-vaxxers, they're going to ruin the world, that kind of stuff. It gets, the pressure gets to people. You have to be able to, you can't see what I'm about to do at times, you have to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do that. But here's the question for you, Chris. In our history, you bring up women and I and and covering up and the social conformity of you know the pressures yeah, of the pressure. not not going differently. Can you recall a time where society wanted you to put something in your body that you did not want? Well, four out of five doctors prefer camels, cigarettes. I right? know. But- but once again, you weren't locked out of society for putting a cigarette in your body. Um, no, but you, how about coffee? I don't drink coffee. Okay. Okay. But yeah. You, let's go for coffee break. I don't drink coffee. I don't, I don't drink caffeinated things. You don't drink caffeinated drinks. <laughs> they go, let's have a hot dog. I don't eat meat. <laughs> and people get the view of you then that you're odd and you get ostracized. I'll understand the ostracize, the oddness, but we don't tell people they can't go into a movie theater because they, well, now we tell them they can't go and smoke in the movie theater. But back in the day, or even now you go, you're vegan, you can't go in the movie theater. I mean, it was just in Canada, the the Justice Center just um, won a case in New New Brunswick where grocery stores were going to stop- Serving. Stop serving unvaccinated. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. think of, you can- well, I, I think I, th- I think you I think you brought it up already. People used to be able to smoke in the theater, right? There was they could smoke in airplanes back in the day. True. They had little chairs but you, can, on. But you but can, can still smoke. Why, why didn't you? Why weren't you allowed to smoke anymore in theaters? Because t- take next up. Secondhand smoke causes cancer. There it is. So you make other people sick, and there it is. It's these little steps. That's a little step towards you're unvaxxed, therefore, boom. But here it comes. Uh, you have a cruise ship. Everybody's double vaccinated. We're good to go. What happens? Five cases of COVID on a double vaccinated ship. What does that say? That you can still get people sick if you have the vaccine. Yep. And no symptoms. They're asymptomatic, double vaccinated, and boom. So 
this whole thing about not going to theaters, and this is probability again, probably it's the best idea, but will it still happen? Yes. Probably you're not going to see that on cruise ships, but it can still happen. Yes. You have a thousand people on a cruise ship, well, the big ones, 5,000 people on a cruise ship. One person out of 5,000 has this and he's been double vaxxed, whatever didn't work, and da 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 da, and there it goes. But he had to infect four other people that had been double vaccinated too, which is, yeah, and this causes people to think, oh, I could get this disease and die. And here it is. Um, I said this before, and I think you thought it was funny, but life is a sexually transmitted terminal disease. We are all going to die. Yes? Yes. You're born, you die. Uh, people seem to be afraid of that. I think in third world countries, there's less fear because they see it around them all the time. We tend to hide it in North America better. You know, we act, we seem to think that we're impervious to it is yes. what it is, right? Because we have the best medicine. Well, we have the best medicine, the best doctors. We have all this technology and somehow this technology trans translates to, we are, uh, smarter than our ancestors and safe. Yes. We're not. We're not safe. We're not smarter than our ancestors. These are things that are comfort and they will make life better and will extend our lives. But eventually, yeah, <laughs> you're going to get nuked. Hmm. Well, I just wonder, I, I sit here and I, I'm, you know, we're January, 2022. This started almost two years ago to the day. Right. I mean, and here in um, small town, Alberta, Saskatchewan, I think it was, late February, early March, that it officially, you know, things just got shut down and everything else. So that's, we're closing in on two years. Yep. And I go, I hear everything you're saying, and I go, so in the history of time, you look at this and you go, are we still just going to, you know, summer's going to come rolling around and slowly government's going to peel back a bunch of this and just carry on because they realize, um, you know, you can get out of, uh, yeah. How about ballistically speaking? I'm going to, prognosticate here sure a probabilistic prognostication i like alliteration that looking back on other pandemics they burn out in two or three years so in one year from now i my prediction is that all these things are lifted we're done with it omicron is going to um prove to be very contagious but not very virulent that way not not can be killing people and the next one comes along even less and less and less. It'll become an endemic. I think we talked about it last time. Endemic, endemic yeah. rather than pandemic. Yeah. Well, I've keeping you, I've I've taken a bit of your time. I appreciate you doing this with me, as always. Before I let you go, um, we got to slide into the crude master final couple of questions here. Shout out to Heath sure. and Tracy McDonald, uh, supporters of the podcast since the very beginning. Um, who do you I'm curious, who does Chris watch, uh, either a world leader or somebody within Canada that you think, um, I don't know if trustworthy is the right one, but you enjoy and follow along. I, I know you've said before uh, things about good people and uh, made me chuckle last time. So I'm just curious, is there a politician or a, a leader in business, et cetera, that you watch um, while this has been going on? I tend not to look at the, the grand scale. I tend to look at the grassroots scale and have people I work with. And I like, like a 
with the Salvation Army that do good every day. Hmm. I tend to relate to them because they they are working with the people and helping. <clears throat> Politicians, extremely rich people, they tend to, on a large scale, give into these these projects, right? But again, whether it's housing for the poor or food for the poor, these are things that are ongoing issues that are never going to be resolved in my mind. Um, so what, what is the final solution for drug abuse? I think we lost, what, a thousand people to, um, to drugs and just drug overdoses in BC. Uh, when does that end? Um, so they, they tend to look at these big problems. Um, I, I look at people who are lower down on the scale, grassroots. And, and that's my message to people that are doing good out there. Uh, do good to the people you see. Because I'd rather have 10 million people doing good things than two or three politicians doing whatever politicians do. I'm not sure. Like I said before, um, I used to be NDP when I was young. There was a guy called Grant Nolly, beautiful speaker. As I got older, I switched to liberal with Trudeau, believe it or not. Uh, not Justin. <laughs> yes. Pierre Elliott. And then uh, Stephen Harper, when I was older, seemed to be more reasonable. But I realized that if you get in politics, there's only so much you can do. I think one person came up to FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and had all these great ideas. And Franklin Delano Roosevelt sat him down and said, you know, those are really good ideas. Now you go out there and you make me do that. Because you might think that politicians have a lot of power. No. You may think that leaders of corporations have a lot of power. But they have, they have boards of directors. They have shareholders that they're responsible to, to make a profit. And do you make a profit when you take your business offshore to different countries and you get people in poor countries to make it for you to make an extra dollar per item? And these are decisions they make, right? Or Pfizer, the company's made what, $250 billion, quarter of a trillion dollars. Wow, okay, in a year. Um, was the product ready to go out? What... What factors factored into their decision at the end? Kind of sure, should help. <laughs> yeah. Did it get pushed through too fast? I'm not privy to those things. So when I look at what makes the world better, I look at it grassroots. I see people around me at a certain level helping others in their community. I look at the community level rather than the national or international level. Things like N Nelson Mandela was a nice That was a nice icon. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, peace, that kind of stuff. But if you delved into his life, along with the good, came some other stuff too, right? Uh, John F. Kennedy, along with the good stuff, came some other stuff too. And so all leaders have feet of clay. So I'd prefer to see millions of people at our level helping others rather than putting our hope in a man or a woman. You know, this brings me to my next question, which is right now it feels like if politicians just spoke with a smidge more truth, and who knows, maybe they are, maybe it's from their point, the truth, but I feel like it breeds conspiracy theories, like breeds them. Every day they talk, they just fuel more because they tell what looks to be half-truths to me. You told me, that uh, you were a part of think tanks where no matter how good a conspiracy theory is, 
you'll twist and turn. You brought up JFK. And I've thought about that now for closing in on three months. And I've wondered, well, what is something then you look at right now? Or I don't know if you, I don't know if you're allowed to 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 talk about things you're a part of. So I, I'm using your experienced mind in the think tanks to look at it and go, oh, they're shaping something there. Like I said before, um, if this is a, a true conspiracy thought from these think tanks that I used to work in, you're never going to know because there's going to be one, two, three, four, five false trails that go this way, and then yeah, so. Uh, a good conspiracy, you're never going to know. That That's it. But, and, and here it comes. I want to believe, in the think tanks I worked with, I want to believe that the people involved in the think tanks had the, and this is going to sound really nationalistic, had the best outcome in mind for North America, the ones I worked with. That we're working to make North America a better place in the world and in at home. And you have to think that. Otherwise, holy smokes. Oh, yeah. And I, I was off of certain committees because I don't really want to develop a better weapon. You know, whether it's, uh, like I said, I was involved with some research with Michael Persinger at University, um, where it's transcranial magnetic stimulation. We can put a beam, <laughs> EM pulse, because the brain is um, electrochemical in nature. Yeah. And so when you have a thought, is that through your axons, you'll have a zip of electricity, which causes a circular magnetic field. Well, if you can affect the magnetic field, then you can distort what people are thinking and seeing. Cool, eh? And so uh, they were retooled the because they were meant to disorient pilots and jets to begin with. They've been retooled to uh, take away depression take away anxiety by zipping the brain a bit from the outside. But again, if you can take away anxiety or depression, what else can you do? Do you know, Sean? Well, I'm assuming you can give it. Yours. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like a gun. Is a gun evil? No. So who's pulling the trigger sometimes? What you mean to do? A lot of drugs like uh, Digitalis from Foxglove. Uh, it's a heart medication, which can be used to either help a heart condition or terminate life. Depends how you use it. And this, this is the problem with the intelligence part. I said, you know, 130 is your average PhD, 145 PhD that teaches one of the big fours, that kind of stuff, and publishes and gets, you know, citations. And then you get a brain scientist, uh, no, sorry, a brain surgeon, a medical doctor who's doing brain surgery or cardiac surgeon. You're looking at 160, four standard deviations above normal. Holy smack. Those guys are brilliant. And so they're going to see the world way differently. They're going to see it in probabilities. And sometimes, and here's the question. Do we talk about ethics and morals last time? Mm, I'm not sure if we did. Okay. Let's take a look at ethics and morals. An ethical man knows it's wrong to sleep around on his wife. A moral man doesn't sleep around on his wife. And they'll start cutting it there. Difference between ethics and morals. So you can know what ethically is right to do, but to do the right thing, to help others, not to hate, those kind of things, that takes morality. That takes strength of character. Because <clears throat> a lot of times the easy, fast way of doing something is really bad in the long way, or long run. Hmm. You know, you always bring up a person's 
intellect, IQ, how smart they are, what level they're thinking on. And all it ever brings me back to is, you know, you hope you're, you're doing the best for North America. And, um, I watched a, a movie with Benedict uh, Cumberpatch in it, The Imitation Game. I don't know if you've seen that, where they uh, they steal the enigma from the Germans, but instead of winning the war, they just lose it uh, differently. Smaller. That's right. <laughs> so they're still um, losing human life over and over and over and over again. Is that intelligence on just a plane that nobody will ever understand because it's so... Uh, I mean, that, that's an extremely tough decision to make. You're about to lose a million lives, but you're going to win the war. Is that the type of intelligence you talk about? And I don't mean just losing human life. I, I don't mean to get so morbid. I just, when I watched that movie, I was like, holy man, imagine discovering that you've just broke the war wide open, but you don't get to tell anyone. You just have to, right? That's right. You can't tell anybody. It's, it's called time and eternity. He signed these things forever and ever. You can never talk about certain things. So take a look at Oppenheimer, the creator of the bomb. Yes. Einstein may have put it together how to do it theoretically, but Oppenheimer made it work. And so people ask me, what do you think about us dropping the bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima? I, I'm, I was all for that. I'm still for that. Do you know why I'm for dropping the bomb? Because it ended the war? My dad was on one of the ships that was going to do a beachhead on Japan. I wouldn't be here talking to you if they didn't drop the bomb. He would have died. They put him in a big circle on the ship. Look to the man on your right. Look to the man on your left. Three days from now, that man will be dead. And my dad at 18 years old said, those poor guys, 18-year-old, you got to love that. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it, uh, it destroyed many lives. Oppenheimer said he developed the bomb, right? He ended the Second World War and he said, I have become, do you know this, what he said? I have become death. Mm. So you have this beautiful intellect who ended a war, but in doing so, destroyed two cities, but also taught us something different too. Um, a lot of people are afraid, and I, mean, I shouldn't talk about this. I wasn't told not to. So <laughs> a lot of people say it's mutually assured destruction, atomic warfare, warfare, right? Is it? Where are Nagasaki and Hiroshima now? Still there. Ground zero on an atomic bomb blast. They have a radiation count a little higher, 2% higher cancer rates, but the cities are built on ground stinking zero. And 70 years, 80 years later, you got thriving cities there. How is that possible? I thought half-life of these things, scrontium 90, was um, 500,000 years, that kind of stuff. So a lot of the things we're told are meant to change how we see things like i said before people aren't that smart um did we talk about this last time about ddt going across the ocean i don't think so okay uh, and one other thing too so <laughs> they were shipping ddt to the united states because they're hitting all the crops kill all the insects right yeah there was enough ddt in one of those ships cargo ships if it sunk it taken out a third of the plankton in the ocean be to suffocate it. That'd be cool, right? And they, they kept shipping it. When they had exploded the first atomic bomb, there were two theories. One theory was it would ignite the atmosphere and burn the entire planet. About 5%, 10% of the scientists thought that. The other 90% said, no, one explosion only. What did they do, Sean? They pulled the trigger. 
they pull the trigger. Uh, cyclotron, CERN, the collider, super collider, right? We what do they create? Yeah, the black hole thing. The black hole thing. Uh, one small theory was that it would cause a black hole to get bigger, suck the whole planet in. The other said, no, it's going to be just a window. What did they do? Started her up. One of these times, we're going to roll the dice and, yeah. You think, uh, you think that, uh, that um, I don't even know how to spit this out. There's a lot of talk about flying objects, saucers, et cetera, aliens. You think they've landed or do you think that the government has created things that are just so bloody fast and miraculous that we can't discern how far technology is ahead of what we have right now to the visible eye? They're not fast. You take two points, quantum entanglement, touch them together, two electrons, touch the fields together, move across the universe. You spin one, what does the other do? It spins opposite direction. It's a million miles away instantaneously. You think they're apart, <laughs> but they're still quantumly connected, which means they haven't moved. We have a certain perspective. <laughs> That's what I talked about before. Maybe we got to come back and talk about why the earth is flat from a six-dimensional perspective. We, it's like a cat chasing a, uh, a laser pointer, right? The laser pointer is not moving. It's a light on the wall and the cat goes after it. Um, a lot of things you think you see, you don't. And so at the quantum level, electrodes can jump from here to here instantaneously. Go from here to there and there's no spot in between. They just go bang, bang. So very simply put, you have two squares and they're identical. And at the quantum level, the only thing that separates them is where they're at in space. Okay, so you put one up there, which one is it? What's well, the one here? And you put the other one up and it appears there, but it's the same block. So you can move at tremendous speeds without really moving. It's like, you know, attacking where you're not, <laughs> art of war, all that kind of <laughs> Tao stuff, right? So at quantum level, uh, what people are seeing, I'm not sure. And I was never in one of those think tanks, by the way. And so I cannot talk about non-local, transgenic, GMO'd superorganisms with much clarity. But not even a, hypotho a hypothesis? They are transgenic, non-local, GMO'd superorganisms. Uh, a little more clarity. Yes. Sean, Sean, do you have more human cells in you or foreign cells? Uh, you know, I've waited all episode for you to hurt my brain and you're hurting it right now. So, um, is. I'm going to say more human cells, but by all means, fire away. 10 to one foreign cells in your body. 10 to one? 10 to one. You're one tenth human. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what type of DNA do you have in your system? Is it double helix? There we I go. Don't. You have two types, double helix and you have circular DNA in your mitochondria which means you're transgenic. Your two things mixed together. Isn't that fascinating? Non-local, you're not from around this area, and uh, you've been genetically modified a bit. So a lot of people say they're coming down, they're studying us, they want to interbreed with us. There's only one way that 
aliens, if you want to believe in those kind of things, can interbreed. They have to be the same. No, they have to be the same species, Sean. You, you take a buffalo and a cow, you get beefalo, right? Because although they look different, they're the same stinking species. Or else they can't interbreed and have viable offspring. So if you believe they're coming down to mate with us because time-wise or something has changed, but we're the same species. But that, these are the kind of discussions you get into in these think tanks, right? I'm just spitballing because I've been in one of those things. So I didn't sign anything there. <laughs> it's fun. So then your thought is, it's us out there. Yeah. You've seen inter Interstellar, right? Yes. Who sent him the message? We did. He did, yeah. Or he did. He sent the message to himself. Because time is not linear. Time is curvilinear. Space is not linear. Space is curvilinear. Shortest distance between two points? You've seen Dune? Yes. Dune. Two points in space, shortest distance, straight line? No. You fold space. There's no, this is that back to quantum entanglement. They're still touching, guys. Just burns the brain, though, doesn't it? Well, it's fascinating. Quantum physics to general relativity, yeah. Here I thought you were going to give me some uh, expose on aliens not being real or real, but what you've done is turned it into they or us. Yeah, they or us. Hmm. Well, heck, that is one way to end a podcast, sir. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and doing this with me. It's it's always uh, it took it took a few extra minutes to get something in my brain that's going to sit there now for another month or two until I get you back on sure. to talk about time travel. Okay. We do that. So Remind me next time. We, I'll show you how to time travel. We've done that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, God, it happens all the time. Time travel. Yeah. No, you're not leaving me on that. How have we time traveled? Call me back, Sean. No, really? You're going to make yep. me call you back on that? Call me back. That's right. We're okay. already over the hour. So, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking about time travel when we get back the next time. Done. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day, Sean. You too. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, guys. Make sure to like and subscribe. Believe me, it does help. And uh, if you've got comments, thoughts on the podcast, the episodes, uh, in the show notes, numbers there, shoot me a text. Uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Just fire me off a text. I love uh, conversing. Love hearing your thoughts. And if you got guest suggestions or people you've been following, pass along. All the information is amazing. And believe me, uh, you guys have made this show what it is. So I appreciate all of it. And if you got ideas, just throw them along. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, check out the Patreon account in the show notes. Uh, I don't have words for it of the people that have been supporting already. Um, my hat's off to all of you. I just think you guys are the best, and I look forward to what 2022 is going to bring. Now, it is the weekend, so go kick some ass and be awesome.